Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let the lion roar. Hallelujah. Amen. Trying to prove the truth of God, all right, is like trying to, to defend a lion, all right? He don't need you to defend his truth, right? You just let the lion out of the cage, amen? amen. Come on, man. Praise the Lord. But, but it is important. It's important. Hold on a second. Hey, hey, Jordan, could you grab that mic real quick? It is important, all right? Thanks, bro. It's important for us to know that we know the truth. All right? We can't, we can't act like, I just had to have him move that because I'll be cracking my head on it. I already know, man. It's like, kuk, 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 kuk. all right? I'm trying to try to keep moving, man. All right? So, 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 so it is important for us to know the truth. All right? And, and there's, so many, there's so many misconceptions, and we, and we get it wrong so many times, I think, because we're always looking in the wrong places. I was listening to this conversation that uh, somebody was having with God, all right? And, and, they, and they were questioning God, and, and, uh, and they're telling God, how can you do this to us? Right? How can you, how can you, how can you allow all this evil? How can you create all this evil? How can you just, all this evil to just running around on us? Let it all happen. How are you letting all this evil in the world exist? And God's response was, so you so wait, 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 wait. So I'm responsible for all the bad that's going on in the world, and then, and then you're responsible for everything that is good? Let, let me challenge that. And so, and again, obviously, this is, we made up this conversation. All right, so <laughs> God says, let me, let, let's review this, all right? Let's review this. He says, he says I, made, I made medicine, right? And then, then, then who made drugs? Okay, so, all right, all right. The guy said, I made medicine, man, man, and you guys made drugs. I gave you medicine, man. I gave you little, you know, little pockets of the earth to find stuff and, and to create, you know, this, this healing stings, man, and, and then you guys made drugs. He said, he said, wait, he said, uh, you know, I, I gave you, I gave you sex, right? Uh, all right. You know, this, 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 this beautiful thing between a husband and a wife. All right. And this other level of oneness, man. And then, and then also so that you could look a little more like me as you, as you procreate life. And you guys, you guys created porn. And then you took it even further. Now we have sex trafficking. He goes, wait, 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 wait. I'm not done. Because I gave you friends, people to enjoy life with. And you made enemies. I gave you good food, just growing right out of the earth and just, and just living right here on the earth. And you made all this crazy stuff, man. It's just taking you down. I gave you fresh air, beautiful air to breathe. And you guys are making it a little harder to breathe in certain parts of the world, ain't you? It says I gave you a heart for humanity. And you gave it back. I gave you a way back to me, God says, through the sacrifice of my son, through the only means possible. I gave you a way back through the death, the burial, the resurrection of my son, Jesus. And you keep thinking you can find another way. And it seems like every time, everything I gave you for good, you made evil. Now you're telling me it's my fault. I just want to challenge us today because... You know, I think that the more that we try to create God in our own image, the more unsatisfied and even disillusioned we're going to be with God. You know, in our search for God, we still haven't found what we're looking for so many times because we're continually looking in the mirror to see if we, you know, if, we, if, if God will just look like us. 
We try to make him look the, the way that we want him to look. We pretend God isn't, we pretend God isn't who he is. We, we, we pretend, you know, he isn't because either we really don't know who he is or we're just not ready to submit to who he really is. I, I was in uh, a while back, years ago, I was with a youth group and we went down to Magdalena de Quino. Anybody know where that says? It's down in Mexico. All right, and we were on a, on a, on a trip there. And, um, and um, we we're, were just kind of cruising around the city. We were visiting a, an orphanage over in New Maurice, and then we went down there, and we we're going to do just some ministry on the streets, just kind of minister to some people. My favorite ministry, we just handing candy out to kids and just letting them know Jesus loves them. I just thought that was a fun thing to do, right? It was really, really fun because they come out of the woodwork for candy, all right? We were in, we were in uh, Magdalena, right there in, the, in one part of town. I can't remember where it was, right? And um, in the middle of this area that we were at, a bunch of people were around doing shopping and hanging out. There was like this, this tomb in the middle out there, right? And it was like a saint somebody, you know what I mean? Somebody that was probably did some really cool stuff. But I was tripping because I was watching the people as they would walk by it, right, they would kind of do this kind of thing or this kind of thing here to the tomb. Every once in a while, some people would come up, kiss their hand, and put it on the tomb, all right, and then touch the tomb. And you could just, it was just a moment for them. I couldn't take it, all right? <laughs> I had to say something, all right? So I just jumped up on this little the little stoop by this little stoop by the stoop by the tomb there, and I said, Man, why are you guys looking for the living among the dead? All right, I just yelled it out. Probably not the most popular thing to say in this community, all right? And, and but the cool thing is that they didn't, nobody really understood English, so, um, <laughs> right? So I can yell all I want, right? But, but, but I got an interpreter, all right? I got my homegirl, Ellie Cateras, right? I says, hey, hey, homegirl, tell them what I'm saying. She was like, I don't know if I want to do that, man, all right? I was like, come on, just tell them. And I said, why are you looking for the, for the living among the dead, all right? Jesus is the one who died and is still alive, and he's alive again. There's no another name under heaven or on earth on which you and I could be saved except by the name of Jesus Christ, all right? So cry out to Jesus, I told him, right? I said, he hears you. This guy don't hear nothing right now. <laughs> Jesus hears you. And I said, if you want some free candy, we're going to be around the corner <laughs> hanging out free candy. You know what I mean? So come and get it. <laughs> Why do you think, do me a favor, pray for my back. My back has been killing me all week, hardcore. And so that's why I pulled my chair out, but I don't know. It's hard to sit down when you talk about this stuff. All right? So I'm just going to hold on right here. <laughs> if you see me hanging on, just pray, man. All right? <laughs> But I'm asking, like, why, why, why is that so common to, to, to just find these, like, like saint so-and-so and so-and-so, you know? And I'm thinking about it, it's because a dead saint is way easier to handle than a living God. I just discovered, you know, I see that all the time. It's, real, it's way easier to handle somebody who ain't going to get up, who ain't got nothing to say than a living God. I want to I read for us our text this morning. Today, we're continuing through the book of Luke, all right? And we're in Luke chapter 7, and we're 24 through 35. Uh, it's kind of a sizable amount of text. Um, we've tackled way bigger. Um, but, but Jesus is talking a lot here, 
All right, and so you know, we're gonna be going through a lot of stuff in this. I don't have that one line that you know, I want you guys to hold on to through the whole sermon. I don't have three points that I want you to just nail and just kind of progressively watch. I, what I really want you to do is I want you to listen to the text. I want you to listen to the words of Christ, and I want you to challenge this question, what is the truth, and what am I gonna do about it? So I guess I do have a line, all right? <laughs> what is the truth, all right, and what am I gonna do about it? I want you to think about that. And so, Father, we give you the praise. We give you the honor, and we give you the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, uh, hold on. <laughs> I um, lost my scripture. Here we go. All right. Okay, man. So here we go, man, and, uh, and I'm, I'm going to read through it for us because I want us to kind of just feel the context, and then we're going to open up the scripture. In verse 24, it says, when John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? When then, what then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Uh, behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before your face and who will prepare your, your way before you. I tell you, those among, you know, among those born of women, none is greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And when all the people heard this, the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers, they rejected the purposes of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. To what then shall I compare this people, the people of this generation. And what are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, hey, I played the flute for you. You didn't dance. I sang you this funeral song and you didn't even cry. All right. But for John, he came, the Baptist came eating no bread and drinking no wine. And you say he's got a demon. And then the son of man comes eating and drinking. And you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all their children. What is the truth? And what are you going to do about it? To review, this is still connected to last week's text. Uh, as, as John the Baptist, all right, sent messengers to Jesus. Like, hey, man, you know, are you the one who's going to come? Or should we be waiting for another? And Jesus is like, dude, you totally know who I am. You know, all this stuff is happening. Um, but, but blessed are you if, if you're not offended by me. In other words, you know, and, and we could have took that a couple of ways, but the way we went with it last week was, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not coming through for you like this. Maybe I'm not coming for you th through for you the way you want. Am I enough for you? Am I enough? Is Jesus enough? And that's what we left with last week. Is he enough? And then after he spoke to those messengers, all right, from John, and they went back to John. He turned to the crowd that was with him, that witnessed this, 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 uh, this, this dialogue going on between these guys. And he turned to the crowd, and in the same, in real time, he, he says this, and he says in uh, verse 24 of, uh, of Luke 24, he says, when John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. He looked, they split, 
And he looks at them and says, okay, well, well, come here, guys. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? When you went out to go see John, all right, what did you go out to see? Did you go see a reed shaken by the wind? I love this because he's asking them straight up one of those why are you even here questions, all right? Or what are you even looking for questions? And I think this is really, really important for us to ask ourselves, all right? What are, why am I even here and what am I even looking for? Because most of the time when I find people, you know, there's, there's several answers, but the top two are usually, I'm looking for God. I'm really looking for God, trying to find out who God is. Uh, or I'm looking for answers concerning God, all right? Uh, you know, that those are usually the top two areas. Some people are, are looking for, commu- are for, for community and fellowship, which is great. But, 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 but when you think about this and people are like, hey, I'm, I'm looking for God, I'm looking for answers, all right? You know, if we're really honest, are we really looking for God as he is, all right? Are we willing to accept and receive his truth as is without trying to manipulate it and without trying to manipulate him? Are we looking to create God in our own image? When we're looking for God, are we looking for the God that actually looks more like us, who thinks like me, who laughs at the things I laugh at, all right? Who I can roll with, a homie I can kick it with and then tell I'll see you later, and when we're looking for answers, are we, are, we really, are we only looking for the answers that we like? Are we only pursuing the truths that fit our situations? Ones that don't really require us to change, but instead qualify our worldview. He said, when you went there, man, were you, were you looking for a reed? That, uh, this, this term is like really weird. We're like, well, a reed shaken by the wind. What is that? It's basically just you know, a wishy-washy leader. Are you looking for somebody who's just willing to please the people? I remember I was in, not too long ago, man, I was, I was in a church, and, uh, and, I, and my pastor had this amazing love for the gospel, an amazing love for people, and I started to watch how church people started to take advantage of that and manipulate him and push him and push him this way and push him that way. And the next thing you know, as he's trying to please one side of the crowd, he's having to explain to the other side of the crowd why that was necessary and then start to please this side of the crowd and then explain to that. And it just kept going back and forth. And that was like a reed that was shaken in the wind. And finally, they just pretty much, he just, he just left. He couldn't take it anymore. You see, God just wasn't enough for those people. What about you? What about me? Is God really enough? What are we, what are we looking for here? What are you looking for here? All right, what did you come out to see? What is the truth? And what are you going to do about it? What is the truth? And what are you going to do about that? He says, well, what then did you go out to see? Did you go out to see a man dressed? Maybe, maybe you weren't looking for a people pleaser. Maybe you were looking for a celebrity. What did you go out to see then? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing live in luxury and in king's courts. <laughs> You don't know how much that hurt right now. I should have probably hung this thing up here. Okay, don't get, uh, trying not to distract you, but it's going to be really, really hard. All right, I don't know how well that's going to work. I'm going to sit down. How about that? Good luck. 
What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and, they, and, they, and, and splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. He said, he said, you go out to see a celebrity, somebody who can just kind of sway the crowd, somebody who's going to kind of lead the crowd and kind of see if he's talking the way you want to talk so you can say, yeah, let's just tell these people what to do. You know, we got to be careful of both these things. When we find ourselves becoming the people pleaser, all right, God did not send us to become people pleasers. He sent us to be the lead servants on this planet. The lead servants for Jesus Christ on this planet. And we have to be very, very careful, all right, when people are attracted to that. I was told years ago, man, be careful of believing your own press report. Be really careful of believing your own press report because it won't be long till you desire more of the accolade, more of, of the applause, more of the attaboys. And it has happened to me, and it, and it sometimes goes through seasons. And if I'm being perfectly honest, sometimes I, I, I kind of, you know, get, I, I can lean into, yeah, great job, great job, great job, a little bit too much. And I have to remind myself, praise the Lord. And God actually reminds me so many times, this glory is not yours. There was a guy who worked in an art studio, right? And, and, uh, and he, had, he used to do these tours. And, and along the tour, there was this magnificent picture of the Savior. Nobody even knows what he looks like, but it was a really cool painting, right? This magnificent picture. And, and it seemed like every time the crowd would, would go by that picture, they'd want to stop for a while and check it out. And then so he decided, you know what? I'm going to save that one for last and kind of build up to it. And then when we would get to that picture, he would be like, what do you think of that? And then people would just be in awe. And then he decided, you know what? I'm going to put some curtains in front of it. And then when they come along, I'm going to go whoosh and open it. And they were just like, oh. And then it wasn't long before he was standing in front of the picture, all right? Whoosh, turned around in front of the picture. What do you think? All right? And they're like, they're trying to look at the picture, but all they can see is the guy. We, we, you know, we have to be very, very careful with our press report. God reminds us that this glory is not yours to desire or receive. He says, well, what then did you go out to see? Did you go out to see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, more than a prophet. Now, a prophet was someone who was sent by God with a message from God, all right, for God's people. A prophet was somebody that was sent by God, all right, with a message from God for God's people. And he says, look, would you go out and see a prophet? Yeah, I'll tell you more than a prophet, all right? And just really quickly, because why was he more than a prophet? Because John got, the, got his prophet, prophetic work done in real time. In other words, all these other prophets were talking about someone's coming years and years and years, and some, you know, some prophets, uh, prophecies didn't come, you know, come, come to fruition for like hundreds of years, where John's... It was like, yeah, he's coming. Guess what? There he is. So he's like totally in real time more than a prophet. And see, John was a pointer. He was a pointer. He was always pointing to God. And then he was pointing to Jesus. All right. He, and it was crazy about John is he had this mega church. The scriptures tell us that everybody was coming from the whole countryside to hear him preach and teach this message of repentance, of repentance, 
And in the end, John actually, you know, he's, he, he was a pointer. He didn't receive any of that glory for himself. And in the end, he actually said, he must increase and I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. That's what he said. And he said, Jesus, here's your church. He was a pointer. It's a lesson that I need to remind myself of daily. That if people are looking at me, it's because of Christ in me. So when, they're look, when, they're, when they look in, they need to see me pointing to Jesus. And if people are looking towards you, and, you know, because again, you might be the gospel that they only, they, ever, they only ever see or hear. You might be the only scripture that they ever read. All right? You might be the only Jesus all right, reflection of Christ that they ever see. And so when they're looking at you, when they're looking at me, it's because of Christ in you and Christ in me. And when they stare at us and when they look to us, they, they, they need to be challenged, you know, not by how great we're carrying Jesus, but how often and how much we're just pointing towards him. Over there, over there, over there. Cool. I don't mind getting your attention in here because I'm going to go like this. All right, come on over here. There he is. Come on over here. There he is. And quietly step out. Why? Because he must increase and we must decrease. Amen. Without Jesus, I know that nothing good lives in me. I love what Pastor Blake said last week when he was challenging the question, man. He was like, you know, you know, people are always asking the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And he said, first of all, bad things happen to everybody. <laughs> they just happen to everybody. Second of all, ain't nobody good. <laughs> Praise the Lord, amen. So my life is a praise to his life even all the broken parts of my life. And there are a lot of broken parts in my life. What about you? What's the truth for you? And what are you gonna do about that truth? He goes on to say, this is, this, is, this is he of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. He's speaking about John again. He's still, he's still leading these people again to, you know, hey, what did you think of that conversation I just had? Wait a second, don't get it twisted. John was a pretty, pretty awesome guy, pretty amazing guy. And this was his job. And you know what? We have the same job. <clears throat> Only we're on the other side of the cross. John was on that side of the cross, before the cross, pre the cross, pre-resurrection. We're on the other side of the cross. We actually get to show people what it looks like to have our sins completely washed away. Amen. Rather than just tell them it's coming. That's why he says in verse 28, I tell you among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. He's saying this about imposition, not in character. Not that because we're not, well, uh, we're way better than John. No, we have a better position than John did. We have a better position because we're on the other side of the cross. We have been, been forgiven. His blood has been poured out to cover all of our sins, to pay our sin debt 
our debt of sin that we keep piling on. We're still, we're still adding to that debt and it's still covered, covered, covered if we would just receive the finished work of Christ. When I see this, you know, I tell you among those among women, none is greater than John yet. The one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. I realize that we, we, you know, we can't get into the kingdom on our own steam. We have to know this. John did a lot. He did a lot for the kingdom, but Christ did it all. And, and greater, he's saying, greater is the one who trusts the finished work of Jesus than just the prep work of John. What, I'm, what he's saying is repentance falls way short without redemption. Repentance, I mean, we could say we're sorry all day long. But without the redemption, without the redemptive blood, without the blood spilled of Christ, without the, the blood on the cross, without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the ascension of our great God and King sitting at the right hand of God, giving us his Holy Spirit, it's, it, 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 it's, it's just another, hey, sorry about that, sorry about that, sorry about that one, hey, sorry about that one. You know what I mean? That's all it is. Repentance without redemption falls way short way short. This is why it's so important to know that you know him. It's so important to know that you know the truth of his word and that the truth of his word stands way taller than any of your ideas of truth or what the way things should be and the way you're in you know, all that stuff. His truth stands way taller that's why it's so important to know that you know him and the truth of his word because people are drowning in the lies of the enemy. And they don't need to act like, they don't need us to act like they're not. That was actually a good idea. You hear that? We need to know that we know the Lord. And we need to know that we know his word. The truth of his word. Even though it may contradict how we feel about a situation or how unjust life will be. Life is not your savior. Jesus is your savior. Life is going to get rugged. Our savior promised that. It's going to get rugged. And we need to recognize that people are, dry, are just drowning all around us. And they, need, they don't need to ask like, act, like, act like they're not, man. So what are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about that? Verse 29, he says, when all, when, all the, when all the people heard this, and the, and the tax collectors too, I guess they had to make sure that there were people and then there were tax collectors. Just had to clarify that for us, right? <laughs> when all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. See, the baptism of 
of John was so significant, and, and, and it carries on. It carries on into the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ because it was a baptism of, of, of repentance, which is necessary for the, for the baptism of Christ where we, where we submit and, and we repent and we trust in the finished work of Christ and we identify with that. Repentance is still necessary. Confession of our sin is still necessary. Confession of a great Lord and King because Christ did it all. Those who were readied, all right, who readied their hearts with repentance were ready for the redemption of Jesus Christ. When I say that repentance falls way short without redemption, it doesn't mean that it is not necessary. Please don't get it twisted. It's extremely necessary. Repentance actually readies our heart for the redemption of Jesus Christ. You see, People will say, okay, why is there so much evil in the world? What kind of God allows that? Well, the reason we're asking that question is because we believe in love, right? We believe in, in love. And, in, and love is the supreme ethic in our world that would lead us to even ask that question. But in order for love to exist, all right. In order for love, we need to be able to choose to love because if one to be made to love you, all right, that is not love. So we have to allow the choice to love. And Jesus actually gives us all the choice to love him back. And when there is a choice to love, there will be a choice not to love. There will be a choice not to love. Where there is a a choice to do what is right, there will be a choice to do what is wrong, choice to do good, a choice to do what is evil, a choice to love, and a choice to hate. And then where evil exists and where evil continues to gain momentum in this world, well, then we as a people recognize the need for a savior. We recognize the need for redemption because we realize that we have been a part of not loving. We've been a part. We've contributed to that. Every one of us have. And we need a savior. Repentance. Completely necessary. Because it leads us to the redemption of Jesus Christ, man. Again, what is the truth here, man? What are you going to do about these truths, man? This requires work on our part and movement on our part. Please look at the next guys. It says, you know, but the Pharisees, verse 30, but the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized. They weren't even trying to hear it. They were like, I got this. And I think it's in Luke chapter 16 or 14. I can't remember. Don't quote that. All right. Uh, but, but Jesus tells them, man, you guys are the ones that justify yourself. You're so busy justifying yourself. You cannot see the, justif- you know, the, 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 the redemption of Jesus Christ. The justification of the cross. And then he goes on. He says, so what am I going to compare you guys to? Those, you know, not, not the whole generation. He says, he says what should I compare uh, the people of this generation? What are they like? He's not talking about the whole group of people. He's talking about these people who just can't receive this. 
is that they're like children sitting in the marketplace calling out to one another, yo, we played the, the fruit, the, the fruit, <laughs> we played some fruit. I got a banana, he's got an orange. All right, that guy's playing a watermelon, it's crazy. All right, so <laughs> he said, we played the flute for you and you didn't dance. We're playing the flute, man, and you ain't dancing. All right, we're playing these funeral songs and you're not even crying. He said, this is child. He's not saying this is childlike. He's saying this is childish because nothing pleases you. I'm watching my grandkids fight, man, over toys. You ever see that? And nobody wants the toy that they have. They want the toy that the other kid has. I want that one. And then when they get that one, they don't want it. They just didn't want you to have it. And it's just like that. They're just never satisfied. I look at it as like when we do control burns up here, all right? We live up in the woods, all right? Every year, man, I don't know about you, man, but I am praying every April and May for Lord, just no fire. No fire, man. You know what I mean? But what's crazy is we have these control burns through the winter and people get so mad. It's so smoky. I get it. I understand. It's hard to breathe sometimes. Stay inside. I get it, man. You know what? But these control burns, you know what? Hey, we, get, we, get, we just start tripping over the, over the smoke on the winter. But you know what? If there's a fire, we're going to trip way more. <laughs> All right? I mean, when we clear the forest, people are like, hey, you're clearing the forest. Don't take out this tree. All right? But when that forest burns down a town, well, that's crazy. That's a tragedy. See, I've, I've been here. All right, we were here in 2002, man, when we had to leave, and we didn't know if we were coming back to a town. I've been here, man, when we were over there on the other side of the hill, man, I'm talking to people who are watching the fire line come close to their house. But yeah, you know what, man, we don't, well, we, have four, we, don't, we just go back and forth, and there's, there's just, you know, the, it's just crazy on how quickly we can go back to one side and back to the other side. And he's saying, man, is this you, man? I want you to challenge this word right here. Is this you? I mean, the idea here is those those who have a heart to criticize, are you listening? Those who have a heart to criticize, always going to find something to criticize. If If the message is unwelcome, nothing that the messenger can say or do will be right. How, how, how willing are you to pursue truth even if it doesn't go your way? How willing are you to be more like Christ even if it conflicts with who you've become this many years? Uh, George MacDonald puts it like this. He says, to, to give truth to him who loves it not is to only give him more multiplied reasons for misinterpretations. To give truth to somebody who really ain't even trying to hear it is only giving that person more multiplied reasons to misinterpret what the actual truth is. But there's our question. What is the truth? 
And what are you going to do about it? Check this out. It said, for, for John the Baptist came eating no bread and drinking no wine. And you say, he's got a demon, all right? John had this stern message of judgment, man. And you say, this dude's crazy, all right? And then the Son of Man came and, you know, eating and drinking. And you say, look at him, a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus came, he mingled with all the people. And you said, this dude's just a party animal. You say, you neither wanted a funeral or a wedding because nothing's pleasing you guys. This is what he was saying, right? But do you know what? The gospel requires both. It requires a funeral and a wedding. To die to yourself, to die to what has not been true, to die to the lies that you've been living and the, the lives that you've been believing, all right? And to come alive and be prepared for a marriage with God himself. And Jesus so what I know is God is not going to be who we say he has to be just so we don't throw a fit. And finally he says, but yet wisdom is justified by all her children. What does that even mean? <laughs> it means that, 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 that God, God's wisdom is demonstrated in the changed lives of those who believe. This is how true, true wisdom is justified. So what I want you to do, there's a lot here. I keep asking you this question, what is the truth and what are you gonna do about it? I wanna challenge you to something. I haven't challenged you for something like this for a while, um, but I'm gonna give you something to read. I want you to read Colossians. We didn't even go through that in here, but I'm gonna read it really quickly. Colossians chapter one, 15 through 20. And I want you to respond to it every day of this week. I want you to take that verse, Colossians chapter one, 15 through 20. Colossians chapter one, 15 through 20. I want you to just put it down. Put it in your head. Colossians chapter 1, 15 through 20. All right? Just think about that. I want you to read it today. I want you to read it tomorrow. I want you to read it all the way to next Sunday. All right? And I've got some three questions I want you to challenge you with as you read it. Let me read it for you right here. All right? Colossians chapter 1. Again, what is the truth? What am I going to do about it? Here we go. All right? Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the, the, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, in Jesus, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body. He is the head of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that everything he, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, to reconcile himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Man, read that and let that word soak in this week. Read that, that scripture, please, man, just... Don't, you're not doing this for me. This is probably the most healthy thing you can do all week is to open up this word and ask these questions. Number one, what lies have I believed about Jesus? Up until this point, up until this day, what lies have I believed about Jesus Christ? 
Number two, what am I willing to do to rid my life of those lies? What am I willing to do to rid my life of those lies? How far am I willing to go? And number three, is that enough? I throw that question in there because we'll go as far as we want to go. And then I want to challenge you, is that enough? Do you need to go further? What are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about that? Amen.